Welcome to the Net Ministries podcast. Hello and welcome to the Net Ministries podcast. I'm Matt Reiswig. And I'm Dan Driver. And we work for Net Ministries uh, at Net. We've noticed that young people are leaving the Catholic Church at an alarming rate. And so in response to that, we send teams of young adult missionaries across the country to proclaim the gospel and invite young people into a relationship with Christ. Uh, and also, we have a podcast. Dan, how are you today? I'm doing really good. I mean, between vomiting children and exploding diarrhea and little hours of sleep, I'm actually doing surprisingly well. Wow, yes. and that's just at work? And that's just at work. In <laughs> Whoa, are all your kids sick? <laughs> They're all sick. Right? Well, one of them is pretty badly. Um, well, not badly, just vomiting and diarrhea, but that's a normal occurrence of being a father. So how are you doing, Matt? I'm good. Actually, uh, somebody I heard there, there was somebody betting on how quickly we'd get into the vomit and diarrhea talk <laughs> on the podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm good. So the other day, uh, this... This is the first time we've uploaded a podcast with a few episodes out there. We've recorded the podcast with a few that are in existence and people are listening. And we've gotten some feedback, which is great. And we'd welcome any other feedback. But I was at a wedding the other night. And somebody, well, I was at a table with uh, some people I knew, some people I didn't. And some people introduced me as, oh, this is Matt. He works for Net Ministries. And I was talking to a total stranger, and he said, oh, nah, I listened to your podcast the other day. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I know. I was like, whoa, really? That's that's awesome. And then the next thing he said, uh... Are you in suspense? <laughs> I'm totally in suspense. Like, it could be anything. No, the next thing he said, I mean, put my emotions through the roof. He said, you guys have a great theme song. And oh, I was yeah. really honored because, you know, I don't mention this because I'm humble, except for right now when I'm mentioning it right <laughs> after we started the podcast, but I created the theme song, and so it was pretty fun to have somebody say, wow, great theme song, and not even know that I did it, and so. Um, did you sign his iPhone as a gesture of your fame? I did. He didn't ask me to, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I might be starting a side business. Um doing podcast theme songs. So if you're listening and you need a podcast theme song, uh, podcast at netusa.org, just send me an email. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. On uh, today's episode, uh, we have Mark Burcham and Jim Hastings. Mark Burcham is the founder and president of NET, and Jim Hastings is our development director. Uh, Dan, do you just want to talk about a little bit about your interview with them? Yeah, um, I'm really looking forward to this. There's some great stories about how Net started. I mean, Net's been around, I think, 35 plus years now. Um, and it is incredible just to see how it has grown and some of the challenges in the beginning and some of the adventures and some of the miracles as well. I will say this, though, the podcast this week is not, this month is not going to be as high quality as it has been in the past because. We recorded this um, actually a few months ago before we had 
some good equipment. So please excuse the fact that it's not going to be as great of quality, but the content is pretty awesome. Yeah, there's a story at the end that I've never heard. I've worked at Net for 12 years. No one's ever told me I had to listen to the interview to hear. So look forward to that, and we'll go right into it. Here we go. Maybe, Mark, if you could tell us a little bit about what NETS Ministries is, what it stands for, and when it was founded. Certainly. Yeah, NETS stands for National Evangelization Teams, and we began in 1981 with the simple uh, goal or mission of presenting the gospel message to young people. Uh, there was a group of, of young people, Jim and myself and others, who had experienced a great revival in our own faiths almost a, a, a reconversion to the faith that got us extremely excited about the relationship with Christ and desire to share that with as many people as we can. And we thought we were young and so we should share with other young people. That's great. Jim, at the beginning when Net started, where were you at in your faith journey? But at the time that this was all starting to form, I, I was still in high school. And it was actually back in 1973 <laughs> that I went on my first retreat from this pool of people. And I'd been raised Catholic, was actually just come out of a Catholic school. And uh, these young people came that instead of just talking about Jesus, they talked about him like they actually knew him. And you could tell their life was so alive and they were so attractive. And I'm a ninth grader. And then to find out that there was more of this that could be had down at the Catholic Youth Center. Uh, I was in a youth group that went down there on a regular basis, so after a while you just go, man, when I graduate, I, I want to be part of this. Mm. And, and that's what I did. A funny story, the, the Catholic Youth Center staff came to talk to my high school, and the first day they talked with the freshmen and sophomores. And the woman who came was so poorly treated by my younger classmates that when she went back to the Catholic Youth Center, she told the priest who was there, I'm not going back tomorrow. Uh, so he came and talked to the juniors and seniors, which I was uh, wow. a senior, and basically just ragged us out. He oh. just said, if you guys can think about anybody other than yourself, then get yourselves down to the Catholic Youth Center and get involved in one of our <laughs> programs. They had all sorts of volunteer opportunities to help people that were with, with challenging handicaps or young who might not have two parents or the elderly. They had all sorts of volunteer opportunities or more social service. So there's a, a group of us who, who said, he can't talk to us like that. And yeah. So we decided to go down there, uh, not to join, but to raise <laughs> trouble. And uh, w within about two or three times down there, all the rest of my buddies who went down with me fell away. Oh, wow. uh, but I was captivated mainly by the people. The way they talked about God, the way they loved one another, was something I had never experienced, and, and I found it extremely captivating. Um, I didn't want anything to do with the religious stuff. Yeah. Um, I wasn't eager to join their, their Bible studies or to pray, but I just wanted to be around them. And, uh, and I think that's, that's one of the things that we've, we've, we've tried to carry on with, with Ned, is that uh, the ministry can be wonderful, but it's the witness of life. It's, it's how we love one another that will draw people to Christ. And, and that's what I experienced right from the very beginning. 
So you experienced that um, from the love of the people and the way that they spoke at the beginning. How did you move from like being disinterested but sort of attracted to this uh, loving environment to actually serving with the Catholic Youth Center? I think for me part of it was um, the realization that I didn't, I didn't know Christ. I had gone to Catholic schools, I knew my Catholic doctrine, I had Catholic practices, uh, but I had no relationship uh, with the Lord whatsoever. And uh, through a, 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 a personal series of, of, of challenges and being prayed with, I, I had a very impactful moment where I realized God is real. Hmm. And, and that was a turning point for me when, when God was no longer a concept or a set of rules and regulations, but he was a, a person that wanted a relationship with me. And that just began just to, then to uncover for me um, this, this newfound a love for prayer, mm. for reading the scriptures, um, for living in community with other people, uh, and, for, and for sharing my faith. And I mean, growing up, I had no, I, I did not grow up thinking, oh, someday I'm going to go start a, religious movement or I'm going to go start an organization I that was not on my radar screen I wanted to make money hmm. um, I wanted to live a comfortable life I wanted to get a cabin and a boat and fish my life away <laughs> God had other plans hmm. so you had I mean I'm sort of putting words in your mouth but you had an encounter with Christ what what triggered that was it a retreat or was it an event, a person or it was uh, you know there was, there was one particular person I, I, I had a physical condition that was uh, really limiting my activity. Um, and, and it really caused me to have to reorientate my life away from sports and athletics and things that were very active to being a lot more sedentary, which was a, a, an extreme struggle for me. Huh. And they started talking about, well, you know, God can heal you and God wants to heal people and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, no way. Mm -hmm. And they, they said, well, hey, can we pray with you? Uh, can we pray over you? And I was like, you're not going to touch me. Um, I was just very skeptical. Mm. And, and, and finally, I, uh, I, I just said, okay, look, if you guys pray with me, will you? If I let you pray with me, will you just leave me alone? <laughs> and so a group of them prayed with me. They prayed that God would, would, would heal me. It was something that had to do with my heart. And, uh, you know, they prayed. And uh, it was very nice. They were very kind. And, and nothing happened. And, uh, and I didn't feel like anything happened. And, and the next time I visited the doctor, he confirmed nothing had happened. I didn't tell him I was prayed with. But after that, uh, the priest that was there uh, heard about the whole thing. And, and, he, and uh, he said, Mark, I heard that uh, some people prayed with you for some healing. I said, yeah. And he said, what happened? And I said, nothing, in my most smart-alecky voice. Hmm. And he said, what would you expect? I said, nothing. And he said, God answered your prayer. And that... It sounds simple and stupid right now, but at the moment, that just cut my heart. Mm. And, I, and I, I was confronted with, internally, do I believe that God is real or not? Mm. And so I went home uh, and probably said the best prayer of my life uh, after that. I said, God, if you're real, you have to show me. Mm. Um, I see their faith. I want to believe like that, but I don't get it. You need to show me. I had this my own encounter with Christ, you know, that kind of set me on a path of, okay, now what can I do to, to serve and to share? And 
Um, I got involved with the volunteer staff, what, what uh, Jim has described, and was one of the volunteers that, that did uh, retreats. I probably would help with, I don't know, three, four retreats during the course of the year. And then as I got um, into college, and uh, I ended up doing an internship at the Catholic Youth Center, <clears throat> and uh, at the conclusion of my internship, I went in to thank the director for uh, letting me intern there, and he said, well, would you like a job? <laughs> and I just kind of in, impulsively said, sure, and then started as uh, one of the retreat leaders. Uh, in the early 70s, the, the, the retreat staff at the Catholic Youth Center had a profound conversion in the way they did ministry because so many of them were affected by the Catholic Charismatic Renewal, hmm. where they had their own, in a sense, conversions, um, uh, empowering of the Holy Spirit and a desire to share faith. And so then the retreats were, were fundamentally changed uh, and became much more crystal-centric, much more focused on uh, who is Jesus, God's love, an invitation to entrust oneself, oneself to Christ. And that's really was the time when then the retreats at the Catholic Eastern just exploded in popularity. Mm. And people would, I mean, they had retreats almost every weekend and uh, twilights on Wednesdays, daylights on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And it was, I mean, it was a hopping place. I mean, there was a lot of people there. And then people from outlying areas started bussing kids up to St. Paul for the retreats. Mm. And, and after a few years, once I, I became on staff, or even right before that, they started getting requests, as CYC did, for would the CYC ever send teams down or out to the parishes so that rather than having to get a bus and chaperones, the center could just send some people down and do a retreat on site in a, in a parish in Winona or Sioux Falls or someplace, someplace you know, several hours away. And so that, we just started doing traveling retreats out of the Catholic Youth Center. There was no thought of any starting anything. It just hmm. was what they were doing. When I came on staff, because I was one of the new people, um, like in any good organization, the new person gets the least desirable work. <laughs> so I got assigned a lot of those traveling retreats because they were longer. You had to, you had to find volunteers that were willing to give up um, probably from Friday mid-morning to late Sunday night because you, you have to leave, drive someplace for four or five hours, start a retreat Friday evening. The retreats back then would end at two or three in the afternoon on Sunday. You clean up and then five hours back. Sometimes you wouldn't get back until midnight or even early Monday morning. Um, and we would do, I don't know, maybe one or two of those a month someplace. Hmm. Um, and after a while, I just thought, this is dumb. I mean, I'm back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Let's get a team of people and do all the retreats in southern Minnesota one after another. Um, I wasn't trying to start anything. We weren't <laughs> trying to start any kind of a movement or organization. That period right before we, we started putting a team together, it was one retreat at a time. So I, for example, was going to college in northern Minnesota uh, and yet came down, I, I know one of the years I was there, I, I did 13 weekend retreats during the course of one year of college, which is exactly what Mark said. We would take off right after morning classes, 
on a Friday and we wouldn't get back until late on a Sunday night. But I have to say, we loved it. We couldn't wait to do another one, partly because we were just so on fire ourselves and we wanted to, wanted to share it. But I think too, we had a sense that this was important, that we were doing something that, that was important. It wasn't just like it was fun or uh, I have this zeal that I want to share, but that we knew this wasn't ha happening hardly anywhere else. That this, this was a significant thing that we were a part of. And even at that early stage, we knew that. And, and that's why we would, and I, I don't recall ever looking at it as a sacrifice. I think it's, it's pretty interesting to me, like hearing your story and seeing that from the very beginning, you both had some kind of encounter with the Lord. And that set you on fire, and you knew that you needed to kind of go deeper. But there was no like grandiose dreams of starting an international ministry that currently has reached out to millions of young people. And you have thousands of alumni in this ministry, and we have hundreds of vocations that have come from it, and lots of holy marriages that have come from it. It's incredible to see that, that you've got to there. From this place where, you know, I don't know, back in the 70s, you you wouldn't have even imagined or dreamed of this being possible. Would have been terrifying. Terrifying, yeah. I mean, if I'm sure if God revealed that to you, you would have <laughs> been really overwhelmed. But um, I, at every point, I see that the Spirit has been moving. And, I, and it was something you were saying, Mark, about there was a certain point when things started to shift in the Catholic Youth Center. And I wanted to just focus a little bit on that as well. You said the charismatic renewal played a role in sort of bringing about conversion. How did that happen? Where did that come from? Back in the 60s, there was two really big shifts taking place simultaneously. One was in the culture. And I think those of us that, that lived through the 60s probably will point to that as that was the beginning of the unraveling of Christianity as the basis for, for culture, at least in America. So that's happening in the culture. At the same time, the church is having the Vatican II, uh, where the, the, the church fathers are trying to uh, overcome the, the separation between faith and life. And um, as, as that's all happening at the same time. And then there's this, there's this movement of the Holy Spirit that I don't remember when it exactly started in the Catholic Church. In Duquesne the, University in 1967. There you go. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay, wow. So, <laughs> just had that on a test. So nice. this, 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 this unplanned for outburst of the Holy Spirit within the Catholic arena uh, happened primarily with young people, as, as Jim said, in 1967. Um, and pretty soon it just started spreading across the country. And there was prayer groups that were organized all over the place. And, and, and a prayer group appeared in, in Minneapolis. And some of the staff, the Catholic Youth Center, got invited to a, a prayer meeting. And they were captivated. And they went back several times. This was before I got involved. And um, many of them had their own personal conversions uh, through that that, that movement of the charismatic renewal, which you know emphasized the personal relationship with Christ, expressive praise and worship, um, a real fidelity to the scriptures, um, the sacraments became alive, um, 
And there was this, this call to both mission and communion. Uh, this, this Now we understand as a call. Back then, I think it was more just this internal impulse of we want to share, we want to do it with others. And, and I, I think that's, that's really part of the, the, the genius of NET and, and other movements as well, that mission and, and communion are, are together. They're inseparable. Um, we don't just do mission for the sake of mission. It has to flow out of community, out of relationship, uh, out of commitment. And mission leads back. You know, that we're, mm. we, we share the gospel to uh, hopefully help people have that encounter with Christ, but it, but it moves beyond that encounter with, with, with connection back to the family of God, back to the church, back to, back to community. And that's what they experienced, and that was so fundamentally different from the mentality that they had previously of, let's just do things to help people feel good about themselves. Yeah. Let's do things to keep kids active in a positive environment, all of which is fine, but those things in and of themselves, I don't think brings people to conversion, to an encounter. Hmm. At what point did NET kind of become NET and CYC stop doing retreats? Can you talk about the history of that, Mark? Sure, I think two things. Uh, I think, so the, the first prototype team was in January of 1980, and, and there was no thought of starting something. We just wanted to uh, send a team out, do a bunch of retreats, one after another, and then come back. So it's kind of a short-term mission trip, if you will. And um, that went really well. Jim was part of that with me. And we got back. The uh, people in, the, in Winona, that was a diocese, said that went really well. Let's do it again next year. We did it during January. Hmm. Said, sure, that'd be great. Then we got a call from Bishop Dudley, who was in Sioux Falls. He was from St. Paul, so he knew the Catholic Youth Center, knew us a little bit, knew me a little bit, said, Mark, I heard what you did in Winona. Will you come and do that in Sioux Falls? We said, sure, we can do that. And we got a call from a priest in Fargo, North Dakota, Bernie Fowle, had never heard of him, didn't know who he was. He said, Mark, I heard what you guys did in Winona. Will you come to Fargo? <laughs> sure. So the following year, January of 1981, we sent out three teams just for a month. Wow. One to Winona, one to Sioux Falls, one to Fargo, still with no intention of starting anything. We were just looking for ways to share the faith with as many people as we could. When we came back, um, a group of us were praying, and it was, it was almost like a light bulb went off. It was kind of like, wouldn't it be cool if we could get a team to do this for a whole year? Hmm. And I remember thinking, that's going to take forever. Mm. You know? And I remember praying. I, I remember saying, Lord, if you would let me, you know, in my lifetime, get one team that could do this for a whole year, I would consider my life successful. <laughs> um, I, I had, that was my vision. I had, I had very small vision. And uh, that was in you know, February of 1981, and the first year-long team went out in September. I mean, wow. it just... It just fell together. Jim was a was a huge part of that. Um, Mark had more vision than, vision than I did, by the way. Okay. Because I had I had done that first month. Yeah. In eighty, uh, did the Sioux Falls one in eighty. Yeah. One, and then Mark asked my opinion 
about, hey, you ever think we could get 12 of you college people together and do a retreat? I said, Bertram, you're such a dreamer. That would never work. Who's ever going to do that? <laughs> but I remember the first year, we, we, it was funny because we sent a letter to every diocese in the country um, talking about this, this new ministry and this is so exciting and mm. but we can come and share faith with your, your young people and they'll <clears> like <throat> us and it'll be really cool and um, waiting for them to invite us to come. Not one diocese wow. <laughs> responded. And so we had to beg, borrow, Gosh. and steal our way in the first year. We just, any, anyone we knew who we thought might owe us a favor or be nice to us, we called. Uh, but the first year, the schedule filled up. And, and still, I don't think we really realized we were starting something. I think mm. it wasn't maybe until the second or third year that when we added a second team that it was like, huh, yeah, maybe God's doing something here. Wow. By far the biggest negative critique or obstacle that we had to overcome was uh, the, the notion that we were Catholic um, because it just wasn't part of the Catholic worldview. This was pre-John Paul II. Yeah. Um, and and uh, we had a lot of people say, are you, are you sure you're Catholic? Hmm. Um, there was one particular bishop who will remain unnamed who did not like us at all. Um, I mean, he wasn't mean or anything, but he, he openly said to us, I don't agree with your theology. I don't like your spirituality. But I can't ignore the fruit. <laughs> and when you're in my diocese, my young people come to faith. And so, come. <laughs> um, now, most of the bishops were, were, were very open. I mean, once, once word got around that we were legit, the vast majority of bishops were very welcoming. Um, which then led to net going from you know one team to two to four to six to eight. It makes me think of the scripture, you know, you, you'll know a tree by its fruits, and that's how we can discern in a certain sense which things are orthodox or rather which things are of God and which things are not right. of Him. Right. Um, so in, as you're growing as a ministry, how, how do you like stay in tune with the Holy Spirit? How do you know that it's the Holy Spirit that's guiding you? And, and how did you discern along the way? Much of it is if we stay in prayer, the Lord will lead. Mm -hmm. But He doesn't get very far out ahead of us. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why on part of net from the beginning has been uh, staff prayer has been critical. So we constantly, as a staff, come together and pray and seek the Lord and continue to do that uh, because without His leading, we're we're just groping in the dark. I'm just hearing, just as I'm connecting the dots in my mind of how this has all grown into something, I'm just hearing it was really step by step. It was really you encounter something, whether that's uh, the Lord personally or an opportunity, a door opening, and you choose to walk through it or you choose to say yes along the way. Um, that that alone is incredible to see that God has just guided you from a place of essentially darkness into 
where you are now. Um, I'm wondering, maybe Mark, you can answer this. Um, how, in those moments, like, how do you know when it's the Holy Spirit that's saying, I want you to do this? Like, maybe multiple doors open or multiple doors shut. Uh, how, how do you know that? I don't know if you ever know for sure until you look backwards. Mm. Um, I think in the moment, um, certainly prayer, uh, the individual prayer of the, of the person, the communal prayer that Jim talked about. I think it's also looking at um, getting counsel and advice from others. Uh, in the early years, uh, Bishop Carlson, now Archbishop Carlson in St. Louis, was instrumental. I mean, he was a tremendous uh, sounding board and, and, and walked with us in the early years. Um, having someone with, with his uh, faith and gifting and reputation to kind of walk alongside of us, I think was, was huge. Uh, some of it, like Jim said, is trial and error. You, you, you take a step and then you, you say, oh, that didn't work so good. We'll readjust or, or wow, that worked really well. You know, I think in the early years when, when, you're, when something is being formed, I think God gives you a certain level of protection for, I don't know, two, three, maybe four years. <laughs> and then at a certain point, he says, okay, now I also gave you a brain. Yeah. Um, use what you've learned and, and, and keep moving forward. But I, 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 but I don't know that you're ever 100% confident until you look backwards and then you can see, ah, God was doing that and God was doing that and I, I got it right there and I... I, maybe I missed it there. And I think one of my biggest lessons in all of this is, is um, to not worry so much about failure, but more to worry about missed opportunities. Mm -hmm. I'd rather try something and fail than miss an opportunity that I should have done, but I didn't do because I was afraid. That's key. I, I think many of our listeners are, maybe they have a vision for something or maybe there's, a, there's an opportunity for them to walk through. Um, how, how do you overcome that like fear of um, making a mistake or, um, uh, or, or, or just not having enough skill or talent to be able to fulfill it? Do either of you have anything to say on that? I think the tendency is to play it safe. Uh, and the other tendency is to be too rational and say, all right, we want to develop a five or ten year plan and force something to happen that God may not be leading you to. It's somewhere between those two. Because hmm. if we just play it safe and say, well, we'll wait until an opportunity presents itself and then we'll know that's God's blessing because he's opening this door, which is certainly true. But if we just do that, then we may be missing opportunities where the Lord is saying, I need you to stretch out in faith. I need you to take steps in faith here. And as you do that, the funding will come. How you overcome the fear of that, I think, is, is, is by doing. Or another way I've heard it said is by acting as if. You know, I may not how to know how to do it. I, I may not even be exactly sure this is the right thing to do but I'm going to step out. I'm going to move forward. Way back when, 
in those 70s, I, I remember hearing on these retreats in that the, the phrase, God can't drive parked cars. Mm-hmm. So part of it is stepping out in faith. One of the fundamental calls of the Lord is to go. Uh, and that implies stepping out. Um, when uh, Pope Francis was here in the U.S., I think it was in 2015, at one of the gatherings of youth, the phrase that he repeated over and over again was, go out, go out, go out again, go out again. And, and I think he's really calling the church, calling us to step outside of our comfort zone and, and step more into the, the, the vineyard that's there. And um, I, I think as people are contemplating, you know, what does the Lord want me to do? Uh, you know, my encouragement is certainly pray, seek good counsel, but then step, uh, mm. take a step. You have to take a huge step, but mm -hmm. take a step, go forward, and that that then gives God an ability to to steer you because you're you're moving. Uh, rather than mm. if you wait for the perfect time, you won't do anything because the perfect time never comes. Um, so you do your best. Um, take a step and then see what God does. So I heard there's a miracle story. Um, would you mind sharing a little bit about that? We were driving in a net van and it was a big retreat and so we had two vans of people that were going out to serve. Wow. And Jim was driving. I was driving the lead the van. The lead van. Yeah. Mark was sitting right behind me. Hmm. And at a, at a certain point, a huge um, farm machinery, earth loader type, just a big thing, <laughs> appeared immediately in front of us. It was backing out of a driveway from a farm God. onto the road in front of us. Oh and my. With and an I, oncoming car. And I, I ducked. And then the next thing I knew, we were on the other side. Oh my gosh. And the people in the van behind us said, you guys went right through the machinery. That's what it appeared. And I have no explanation. I actually... My, what? My, my family, my, dad, my mom and dad's both side of the families come from farm families. So I'm fairly certain what I saw was what's called a harvester with the boom arm down. Mm -hmm. So otherwise it would be way up in the air and the corn would be falling out mm -hmm. into the big box. Well, the big box with the boom arm down was backing on to the road in front of me with an oncoming car and no shoulders. So, and very important detail, pea soup fog. So we did not see, I did not see this until I'm on top of it. Oh and now God. it's too late to do anything. And all we did was duck. Uh, and we didn't everybody observed the same thing, and that's that this was this boom arm down was going to hit right at the dash level of the van oh my God. and take the entire top of the van off. So everybody screamed and ducked, tried to get down. So the only place I had to go was behind the steering wheel. And the guy next to me screamed and dived below the dash, and we waited for impact. Wow. And nothing happened. And just about the time Mark's going to reach over and grab the steering wheel because I'm still 
tuck tail behind it. I pop up and start driving it, and I was just shaking, just shaking. And I kept muttering over and over and over to myself, how did we miss that? We couldn't have missed that. How did we miss that? <laughs> and finally, Mark leans forward and whispers in my ear, I don't think we did miss it. So then I couldn't wait to get where we were going to ask the trailing van what they saw because they had time to go around it because the oncoming car had passed. Wow. And when we got out, the driver of the next van was all upset and excited. He said, we almost hit that thing. We had no warning. We didn't see you swerve or anything. Which told me, we, because we didn't swerve. I didn't know where to swerve. <sighs> you know, it's one of those things where there's just a little bit of nagging doubt. Well, maybe yeah. that car, just in time for me to right around and well, it's, it takes more faith to believe in the absolute miraculous, which I don't remember any of that happening. Hmm. I, I can't prove it, but I'm confident Yeah. that we went through. That's amazing. We went through it. I remember when I first had my conversion, I was reading a book by a mystic called Venerable um, Mary of Agreda. She'd written a four-part volume on um, Our Lady called The Mystical City of God. And in one of the chapters, it fascinated me because all of the like, crazy miracles that would happen to the saints was just something that drew me into the faith. Um, she was explaining, based on her like apparition with the Lord and Our Lady talking to her she wanted to know like how do these miracles happen and one of the miracles she specifically asked about was like passing through hmm. a wall how did jesus do that hmm. and um the response was that there is only one way to do that is to be f so full of the love of god that you, the divine life flowing through you and enables this these kind of crazy miracles to happen it's just amazing to think about um, his love for each of you and for the mission is beautiful. All right, welcome back. This is our second segment of the podcast, the part where Dan and I recommend something. Dan, you want to go first? Sure, I'm going to recommend something slightly odd. Okay. A, a lacrosse ball. Okay. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. Actually, so if you're like me, you often have knots in your back. And it, really? Yeah. You don't have that? I, I always get knots in my back. No, I do sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate a good back massage, um, especially if it can just really grind into those knots and work them out. Um, and then I discovered at my chiropractor that they recommend lacrosse balls. And you buy one, they're pretty cheap. I got um, one on Amazon for like five bucks, but you can get like two for six bucks or something. <laughs> so I keep one at home and um, one in the office. And then whenever my back is hurting, you just find a wall, put the ball um, between your back and the wall, and then you just sort of use your body weight to lean into it and work it out. You'll get the funniest looks from people and people will make fun of you, but it feels great. Wow. This is great. I didn't know. I didn't know we could give health advice. This is fantastic. <laughs> it's not health advice. You cannot sue us. <laughs> okay, but you. I mean, the listeners advice. don't know this, but you've been playing with the ball the whole time. Oh yeah. I just I assumed it was like your version of the fidget spinner. I didn't know it was actually useful. It doubles up as that as well. That's great. That's awesome. Okay, I like that. Um, 
I'm going to recommend uh, a movement in the church. <laughs> um, uh, one called Teams of Our Lady. Uh, Teams of Our Lady is essentially a married couples group uh, that meets once a month with a priest or religious. Uh, they take some time for... Um, they take they take time where they share a meal together. They share their highs and lows from the last month. They pray. There's a steady topic. Um, it's just a really great opportunity for husbands and wives to experience community in a really palatable way. It's only once a month. Um, I'm a part of it with my wife. Dan, you're a part of it with your wife? Yeah. Uh, so anyways, if you've never heard of it, I'd encourage you to check it out. It's called Teams of Our Lady. Their website is teamsofourlady.org. It started in France in the early 1900s. And you can look it up and see if there's a team in your area or any teams in your area. And if there's not, you could always inquire about bringing one to your area. Now, if you're not married, is there is there a version for single people? Yeah, that was you setting me up. That's good. <laughs> if you're not married uh, and you're in between the ages of 18 and 30, they have young adult teams of Our Lady uh, or youth teams of Our Lady, uh, which is set up pretty much the exact same way, only... Uh, it's a group of 10 to 12 single people who meet once a month, which is also a uh, great way for young adults to build community. We have a lot of net alumni involved in the Young Adult Teams of Our Lady movement, and so I'd encourage you, I don't have their website in front of me right now, but you could Google it. Uh, I'd encourage you to check it out. All right. Thanks so much for listening today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the podcast just a reminder, uh, we'd love to hear any uh, feedback you might have on the topics you'd like to hear, segments you'd like to listen to. Dan and I are just in the process of trying to figure out, you know, what is this going to be more long-term? What is it going to look like? How long should the interviews be? Should we have different uh, reoccurring segments, what we should do? So if you uh, want to give us any feedback, we'd be open to listening to that. You can email us podcast at netusa.org. And this is a podcast for you, so we are really hoping that you can help us uh, improve it and shape it for other listeners too. And as usual, please give it a good review um, and share it with your friends. It's a good point because if the podcast was for us, Dan and I would just play catch with the lacrosse ball the whole time. And who knows what we talk about. <laughs> um, yeah, so please leave us a review. Uh, we'd love it if you did positive review. Uh, we have some five-star reviews already. Uh, one two-star review, but whoever you are, we hope you keep listening and you like it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Net Ministries podcast. Check out our show notes and more at netusa.org slash podcast. You can email us at podcast at netusa.org.